I am very pleased this evening to welcome back our son of the parish, uh, Father Andy Turner, who is graciously uh, agreed to come back and give this presentation, which he was originally scheduled to offer Generations of Faith in February. Um, they don't get much better than this guy. So please welcome the son of the parish, Andy Turner. Good evening, everyone. So good to be with all of you this evening to share this time and uh, to especially share this very, very important topic of social justice and particularly solidarity. Uh, it would be good for us, even though we've just spent some time in prayer, uh, to once again just center ourselves in the presence of God. So we begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Loving God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the opportunity to grow in learning of your love, and especially to be aware of the people in our world that are in need, people in our own communities, in our families, people in our nation, countries, especially developing countries that are affected by natural disaster. We pray especially that this time tonight may be an opportunity for us to really be aware of how you love us and to share that love with one another. For we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Very good. So it is wonderful to be here, and we are, let's see if we have, there we go. So nice little beach there. I, uh, we can uh, enjoy that for just a, a brief moment there on a day like today. It's good. I don't, we don't need all the lights out now. We're going to. I'm going to kind of talk a little bit, and we'll do a couple things, and then I'll let you know when, when video's on there, so that's no problem. Uh, so let's see. To get things started here, I, I, need, uh, I just need like uh, four volunteers that are, don't mind kind of moving a little bit here. Can I get a couple volunteers? You guys want to help me out back here? Would you like to help? All right. Come on up here. That would be good. Anyone else want to help out that don't mind moving a little bit? You want to help out? All right. We'll see if you still want to help when I tell you what I'm, what I'm asking what, what you're going to do here. Can we get two more? Anyone else want to help out? All right, very good. Who else wants to help out here? All right, wonderful. Very good. All right, so we need uh, teams of two here, all right? So we get two of you over here, and why don't we do, uh, let's see here, we can do, we'll do guy-girl. How about okay. we, we join up, match up this yeah. way here? All right, very good. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do, all right? I need you to change shoes. Okay, all right. So we need, yeah, uh, like we need kind of a clear okay. pathway right down here, all right? Can we get a clear pathway right here? And then we're going to need uh, over here, we need, a, uh, we need a clear pathway kind of right here, right? So just kind of scoot in a little bit there. All right, there we go. You guys are getting some stuff here and everything. You're good to go. All right. Here's the challenge, all right? It's, it's kind of a, a race, but I don't want anyone to get hurt. That's why you got a partner here, all right? So the, the race is, all right, one of you, one of you has to walk, walk backwards down, and then the other person has to walk backwards back, all right? So you've got okay. your partner to keep you from falling, all right? So they're going to be all one person kind of helping you out there, downward, back, and whichever side is the, uh, the winner, all right? Here we go. You ready for this? All right, ready? And your mark gets set. Go! Go! <laughs> So while you're putting shoes on, tell us a little bit about what was it like to be in uh, other person's shoes? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, yes. Stuffy. Stuffy. <laughs> I see. Yes. Yeah. Scott, what was it like to be in, uh, in someone else's shoes? Not very comfortable. Not very comfortable. That's true. Yes. That's, um, 
Not very comfortable, yeah, that's true. You know, and that's exactly, thank you guys, you can have a seat. I appreciate that, nice job. And that's, that's exactly kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight, is that image I want you to really kind of keep in mind. It's really the image of walking in someone, other's, someone else's shoes. Because exactly as our volunteers did very, very well to demonstrate, it's not easy. It's actually very, very difficult to be in someone else's shoes. But that's exactly what our Lord is asking us to do when we talk about social justice itself, and even, even more so when we talk about solidarity. But when we are willing to do that, honestly, our lives will be changed. Just as we have that experience of walking in someone's shoes, literally, physically, walking in someone else's shoes, when we are willing to experience how other people are living, and not just to learn about it, but literally to be with those people and understanding the challenges and the difficulties, the struggles, the joys, the hopes that they have, we have a whole different way of living. And honestly, it helps us to appreciate what God has given us, and it gives us an opportunity to really see how many of God's children, God's people, brothers and sisters of our Lord, are living in our world. But it is not easy. It is not easy. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be tight. It's going to be different. And that's really the challenge that we face. And that's why so many times we choose not to do it. It's because of how difficult it really is to be in someone else's shoes, to walk along with them. Let me just kind of to, to set a little, uh, uh, to kind of set us in the context of, of where we're going tonight. I know that you've already talked about social justice. Uh, you've covered that before. And so I just want to kind of briefly bring us to kind of where we are, the big picture. And so when we walk in someone else's shoes, we're walking with two feet, the two feet of charity and justice, right? Who can uh, summarize charity for me? Who can give me a good example of what charity is? I know you've talked about this. Yeah. I have a neighbor out of work, and I know God will praise me for it. I help him out because I know I've been down that road. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I might be rewarded in heaven for it, but the ch charity is reaching out to other people. That's exactly right. Very good. So charity is reaching out to other people. It could be with our time. It could be with our resources, our finances. When we give in a collection to people who are in need, that's charity, right? We offer something to people that are struggling. So what's justice then? We just heard, interestingly enough, you know, on, uh, on Sunday night and, and Monday, uh, our nation has been talking about justice has been done. But it's not exactly the same kind of justice we're talking about here. Our Christian understanding of justice is a little bit different. What do we, when we talk about justice, what are we talking about? Fairness. Let's give a guess. That's fairness. Okay, some fairness, sure. Good. What else? What else when we talk about justice? Freedom. Freedom? Okay. Sure. What else? There's no wrong answers here. Just keep, make a couple guesses. What do you think? We talk about justice. Equal opportunities. Okay, so equal opportunities. We're talking about some, some different ways of, of viewing how people are living and how we can see if there's some equality in that. Sure. Justice is, if charity is reaching out to people that are in need, justice, the way that our church is inviting us to think about justice, is finding out why they're in need to begin with. So if charity is giving to the poor, justice is asking the question, why are they poor to begin with? Right? What is going on in their lives that's causing this? So if homelessness is the issue, uh, to build a home for those who are homeless would be charity. But to find out why they didn't have a home to begin with, 
would be justice. And that goes back to some of that equality, realizing why people need what they need and, and how we can help them to do that. Not just opening up our, our time and our wallets to be able to help people, but really to investigate what is going on in that situation. And so our social justice in our, in our Catholic faith is inviting us to walk with those both feet. We can't just give of our time and our money. We also have to ask the question, why are people struggling to begin with? Why do we need to reach out? And there's different ways that we do that. Again, this is all kind of summary here. So we do that because, first of all, we recognize that everyone was created with an inherent dignity, that there are rights for all people, and that family is one of the most important things that God gives us. We also recognize that God, and especially through Jesus Christ, loves the poor. Everything Jesus did, each and every single time we read those scriptures, we hear something that Jesus did for people who are poor. And we know that our hearts must be the same way. And ultimately, our judgment is going to come upon how we reached out to those who are struggling even more than we do. Even in the midst of our own difficulties and struggles, we recognize there's people in our world today that are struggling more than us. There are people that have less opportunities, less money. And though that seems difficult at times, we recognize that Jesus was always reaching out to the poor. Think about the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, who is sitting by the door of the rich man, begging every single day. And the rich man dies and Lazarus dies. And the rich man goes down to be burned in the afterlife. And Lazarus is in the, in the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man is questioning why this happened. And it's there that Abraham reminds him that it's because he did not reach out. That, 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 Abraham, that the rich man was struggling because he did not reach out to Lazarus. You know? And that's over and over again we hear that. The story of the sheep and the goats. Those that, that were sent to the right, the sheep, were the one who gave water to the thirsty and food to the hungry and clothing to the naked. And the ones that were not well, were the ones that chose not to do that. So preferential option for the poor. Of course, rights for people who work. So important that we recognize the people that there's a dignity of people and that, that those people should have rights and benefits and health care and things like that. That's so important. And of course, tonight we're going to be talking about that solidarity. That's one of the points. And of course, then finally, that care of God's creation, that we must respect the environment that God gave us, the planet that God gave us, and really to, uh, to care for the animals and the plant life and everything, the oceans, the air, all of that is part of what it means to be both charitable as well as just. And so when we talk about these things, all of these are exactly what our Lord is asking us to do. And we hear that over and over again throughout our scriptures, whether it's through the creation story in Genesis or through the works of Jesus himself. So questions at all about kind of as I set the stage for our conversation tonight, where this all fits. Sure. Tell me, can you tell me what solidarity means? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So that's exactly right. We will be talking about when we say solidarity, why do we have that in there? What does that mean? And it's actually going to kind of let thank you because that leads us right into our, our next topic here. This is a uh, small print. I apologize, but I'm going to, to read this for you. This is uh, a letter from St. Paul's uh, or St. Paul's letter to the to the Philippians. And in this is really kind of the heart of what solidarity is all about. Uh, there's going to be several scripture passages we'll investigate tonight, but this is where we're getting at some of them. And I'm going to highlight a few words in here as I read this. So St. Paul writes to the, to the Philippians. He says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. 
And here's the one thing that St. Paul wants us to think. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourself, each looking out not for his own interests, but also everyone for those of others. Have among yourself the same attitude that is yours in Christ Jesus. That last paragraph is the most important because that really gets at what solidarity is all about. When we are in solidarity with someone, we are not regarding ourselves as most important, but rather seeing others as equal to ourselves, if not more, in the sense that we are called to reach out as Jesus laid down his life for us. So we are called in solidarity to lay down our lives for others, not looking out for our own interest, but for the interests of others. Solidarity is walking in each other's shoes. It's saying that others have the same rights and dignities and obligations to care for others. And St. Paul wants us to do that, and that is really ultimately what completes God's joy, being in the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Walking in each other's shoes. You ever wonder why Jesus Christ came as a poor carpenter in Nazareth? Why didn't he come as a great king? Well, it's because he wanted to be in solidarity with the people that were closest to God the Father's hearts. He came as a carpenter because he wanted to save those who most needed saving. The poor, the sinners, the lepers, the tax collectors. He wanted to reach out to those who most needed to know that God loved them. And so he walked in solidarity with them. And so too does Christ walk in solidarity with us and invite us to walk in solidarity with others. This is such a very important topic for me because it's very close to my heart. And I'm going to be talking specifically about a situation where I've been working for the last five years now in the country of the Dominican Republic with the people of Haiti, actually. Haitian refugees that have escaped out of the country of Haiti. We are probably very familiar with the, the problems that have been going on in Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, they really struggle very, very much. And so people have been leaving Haiti after the storms, after the earthquake, after so many different things, and going into the Dominican Republic because they share the same island. But, of course, the Dominican Republic is not that rich to begin with. And so the people of Haiti have really been struggling to be able to have work and health care and dignity. And so we've been going down there. I've been going down twice a year for the last five years to try to build homes and bring fresh water, to bring clothing and food. And the work that we've been doing down there is in particularly really focused on solidarity. And so that's why I want to specifically kind of talk about some of those things. When we talk about solidarity, we go to generous, Genesis, Genesis 4-9, where you remember the story of Cain and Abel, right? Where Cain is upset about God's love for Abel. He's, he's jealous of Abel's uh, work that he's been doing. And so Cain murders Abel. And when God questions Cain, where is your brother Abel? Cain's response, of course, is, which we know very well, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? One of the great sins of our human history 
after the fall of Adam and Eve, we then move on to, of course, that story of Cain and Abel, and then we come into the Noah story, uh, the destruction of the whole world, because slowly people are turning more and more away from God. And so whenever we say these words of Cain, am I my brother's keeper? Sarcastically wondering, do I need to watch out for my brother or sister? God says to us, yes. That ultimately our judgment is dependent upon watching out for our brothers and sisters. It's actually one of the most important things that we can do. That if we call ourselves a Eucharistic people, if we call ourselves united in the one body of Jesus, is there any member of the body that is not dignified for our love? Can we look at a part of our body and say, they're not worth our care? It would be like neglecting our feet or our hands or parts of our body as saying it's unnecessary. We can't cut them out from the, from the human family. We cannot cut them out from Christ's body. We are our brother's keeper. We know what happens when we don't take care of all the parts of our body. We know what happens. And ultimately, God looks it upon us and says, we need to do better. We need to really make sure that everyone in our world, in our families, in our country, in our nation, in our whole world, are being cared for. And that's really the challenge. And so there's really five different steps to solidarity. You want to kind of know, what are the practical things? What do we really need to do to make sure that we're living out in the way that God wants us to? To be walking in others' shoes, to be our brother and sister's keepers. It's first of all to remember that everyone has a gift. There are no accidents. There's no coincidences. We know that, right? Everything happens for a purpose and reason. And everyone in this room here tonight has been given a specific and a unique gift that none of us share, that some of us, that all of us have, is unique and individual. There is a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. And so everyone here has a purpose. Everyone here has a plan. And so when we can recognize that, we start to see people with different eyes. That even though they don't have the same things we have, or maybe the same education we have, or the same family background that we have, or the same nationality, we recognize that there is some dignity, there is some gift. That helps us to reach out even to people that have terrorized our world. And that's difficult, isn't it? And that's difficult to be able to look at others who hate us and to see them as also having gifts, as also being loved by God our Father, even despite their sinfulness. It's amazing to think about when you see everyone has a gift, even the people who hate us. That's where we're starting to get into solidarity. Then you get into compassion is the next one. After you recognize that they have a dignity, a worth, that they have a gift to give, then we start to reach out in compassion. Compassion is kind of seeing that there's a need there, and our hearts are moved for that. And then that leads us into prayer, where we really want to pray for other people. Then we start to listen to what really is needed. That's the justice aspect, right? Where we really start to see what is the problem. And then we finally act on some type of solution. Little story. There was a, it's not a real story, I'm just making this up, but there was a, there was a call to 911, all right? Uh, a motorist was stranded on the side of the road, and he calls 911. He's in the middle of this deserted road. No one's going by, and so he calls 911 in order to get some help, and the operator picks up and says, 911, what's your emergency? And he says, I have a flat tire on the side of the road, and I need some help, okay? 
So the operator then says, calls the, um, uh, the EMS squad. And the EMS squad comes racing out to him. Uh, he ta they take him, they lay him down on the ground, they start listening for a heartbeat and, a, and air, is he breathing? They're making sure that he's not bleeding, all these kind of things. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, wait a second here. You know, you've completely misunderstood what I need. I, I have a flat tire, all right? And they're coming out there and they're trying to give him medical care. Different scenario, calls to 911. The EMS squad says, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that you have a flat tire. I really, really feel bad for you. I wish there was something we can do, but I want to let you know we're going to pray for you. And hangs up the phone. <laughs> Third situation. 911 operator picks up, hears that you have a flat tire, recognizes that they're in need, shares, you know, I'm sorry that you have a flat tire, and I hope that we can get you some service, calls the tow truck. The tow truck comes out and actually helps the person. In those three situations, simple situations, but in those three situations, you can hear how often our help is misguided. Sometimes there's a need, and we think, well, we're just going to respond with whatever we think the problem is. And so we send the wrong solution to whatever's going on. Second situation, you know, we pray for the people. We know that there's a problem. We're filled with compassion, but we don't do anything from there. And then that last scenario... The last scenario is where we actually listen to what the person needs and we respond appropriately. That is true solidarity, when we can really recognize what the challenges are that, we're, that are being faced and respond appropriately. I'm going to give you a little preview then of some of the scenarios that are going on in the Dominican Republic. And again, I'm not talking about the Dominican Republic because I think it's, it's more impoverished than anywhere else or for some reason we need to focus more on them. But it's just, it's my experience. And I want to share with you a little of my experiences working in solidarity in that situation in hopes that then all of us can kind of recognize where we are being called to serve. Again, maybe it's in our own community. Maybe it's within our country. Maybe it's overseas. But all of us in some way are being called to help in some way. This happens to be one of the ways I feel God is helping, has is, is called me. So this is just a short little video that's going to give kind of a summary of, uh, of what the work I'm doing down in the Dominican Republic. So there's just kind of a, a few images. Uh, give me an idea of what are, what are some things that you saw right there, whether the words that were written, uh, some things that maybe just in terms of the work that we're doing down there. What did you see? We're very fortunate to have the things that they don't Yeah, that's true. We had a priest come to Holy Trinity and said, we're lucky to have running water yeah. where they don't. Yeah, they do not have running water. That's true. And that's one of the works that we do down there. Yeah. The volunteers are not, I mean, they're there ready with the people. Mm -hmm. They're down with them. Right. They're not setting up and looking down saying, oh, if you do this, this, then I'm doing something bad. Right. They're actually reaching out, treating them like family. Right. That's right. Yeah, treating others like, like family, living amongst them. What are some of the, the projects that you saw that we were working on there? I tried to highlight some of the different things that we were doing. What do you remember? See, a school, that's right, a school. Why is, why is a school important? We know this, this is an obvious question, but why is it important? So they can learn. So, so they can learn because education does what for us? When we have an education, what can we do? We can get jobs, work, right? I mean, we can go down there and we can give them all the food and all the clothing that they can eat and wear. But unless we teach them, it's the old story, you know, teach a person how to fish, right? They eat for a lifetime, right? So we recognize right away that we can't just keep going down there and giving them money, 
clothing, and food, then we need to start changing the cycle a little bit. So we recognize that education was a problem. For the Haitian people, they were not permitted to go to Dominican Republic schools because they're illegals. They're undocumented immigrants. They had escaped into that country. And so we were building schools just for the Haitian people that would be run by the Sisters of Charity that are down there. So the religious sisters teach in the school to the people that are not being educated by the country. So that was one of the things we decided to do. You saw something else that we were building there. Did you see what else? Medical clinic, exactly right. So it's great that we bring down there, you know, Band-Aids or vitamins or things like that. That may help them a little bit. But to actually establish a medical clinic where they know that they can get medical care and to bring doctors and nurses in there to help them with that is going to start to change the way that they view things. One of the things that's down there is, is a lot of garbage because they don't have, you know, think about it. Our garbage goes in a garbage can. And then our garbage can goes by the road. And then in somewhat magically, of course, we pay for this, but suddenly it disappears, right? And most of us, I would imagine, don't really think about where it goes or if we're ever going to see it again. I mean, sometimes we might think about those things. But down there, there's no garbage service. So when you have trash, you either burn it or it just accumulates around your living space. Or it goes into the river. And what do they do in the river then? They bathe, they drink, they swim, they put their animals in there, all those types of things. And so just teaching them simple things like how to deal with your trash and about bacteria. You know, this is something kind of simple. I know for some of our, like, uh, you know, junior high and high school uh, students, where did you learn about bacteria? Health class, yeah? You know, when I bet uh, a bit like your mom or dad or, or someone, grandma, grandpa, your aunt and uncle, probably taught you at one point, before you eat, what should you do? Why should you wash your hands? There could be bacteria, right? And I bet when you were a young little girl, they taught you that over and over and over again. So now you don't even really think about it. You go someplace and you wash your hands, right? But if no one taught you that, you wouldn't know how to do it. And if no one taught you what bacteria was, you wouldn't know what it is because it's invisible, right? If I told you you had never heard of bacteria before and I said there's things crawling around on your hand right now, you'd probably think I was crazy. But when we learn about those things and we learn about how that affects us, that then starts to change our way of viewing things. And so teaching them about medicine and giving them medical care, education. We also are building a vocational center down there, specifically for women. What do you know about uh, developing world, third world countries, especially in, the, in, uh, in women's roles in a lot of those? Anyone know anything about how women are treated typically? Poorly, yes. What kind of, uh, what kind of rights do they have typically? Yeah, not, not many, yeah. What's a, what's a typical role for a woman in, like, let's even say in some of the traditional Hispanic, but even especially in some of the devel developing worlds, what's a typical role for a woman? What are some of her jobs? Mother. Mother, yes. Number one, yep, that is mother, yep. Housewife, yes. Mm -hmm. Cooking, yep, cleaning, all those kind of things. And all of those have very good, those are dignified things to do, but for a, a woman who especially does, is not connected to a man, maybe the husband leaves her or the husband has to go off to work in another part of the country because there's no work there, she loses her rights when, she, when her husband leaves. And she loses some of her ability to be able to get the things she needs for her family. And so one of the things that we try to do is educate women in trades. So teaching them how to do things like sewing or to take care of woodwork or some construction abilities and things like that. So if the husband has to leave, if she has a husband, then she's able to get some work, right? And so we try to make sure that there's equality and a dignifiedness to both men and women in that country. But what's most important about our work down there, and again, just the reason I highlight that is because we're not just sending them things. 
we are taking an opportunity to really go down and to live amongst them, to hear what they need. One story, there was a man who does beautiful woodwork down there. Beautiful, very, very skilled at doing handmade wood items. He can carve you know, turtles and, and all sorts of different uh, things out of wood. But he lacked the space to be able to do it. He had to work outside. And so, of course, every time it rains down in the Dominican Republic, it's a Caribbean country, so you imagine it rains a lot down there, he wasn't able to work. And so days and weeks would go by sometimes before he could do his work. So what did we do? We built him a woodshed so that he could go and work undercover. And now he's able to sell his items. He can work whenever he can, you know, every day of the week if he needs to. And he's able to sell those items and then bring money back to the village. And so we just by building a simple woodshed, I mean, it took very little money and very little time it suddenly started to change the cycle for that man and his family. Now suddenly he has hope and he has the ability to work. And so it's not about doing things for them that they're not able to do themselves. It's simply giving them that support and that help to be able to do that. But the first of all, we have to go into that listening. We have to hear what they need and to be able to respond to that in the best way. It really is a different kind of culture. They look different. They speak different. They speak Spanish. And so really listening to the things that are going on. Another situation I had down there, uh, because sometimes it's not always easy working with them. They come from a different culture. And so one of the challenges is, of course, it's very hot down there. The sun is shining, and it's you know, over 100-some degrees with 80% humidity, right? So it's very, very warm, you know, very, very warm. We've been complaining about how cold it is here over the last couple of weeks. You think about some of the Caribbean countries. And so clothing down there is very important if you want to work, especially because they don't have a lot of trees. There's not a lot of shade. And so the men there wear long sleeves and long pants, and they wear hats to cover and protect themselves from the sun. Even though it's very warm, you want to keep your body protected. So when we go down there, we wear the same thing. We wear long sleeves, and we'll wear hats and things like that to protect us from the sun. Lots of sunscreen, especially for our fair skins. And so wearing a hat, wearing gloves is very important. Well, we were working on the work site one day, and one of our missionaries, one of the guys that was down there, left his hat on the side, on the side of the wall there. And as we were leaving, he remembered that he left it there. And he was thinking to himself, oh, you know, this is a very poor country. Someone with a hat could probably, that would be able to, they could sell that, they could use it themselves. You know, they're going to take that right away. There's no way we're going to see that the next day. And in some ways, I was kind of upset by that. Because when we got back, of course, wouldn't you know, the hat was gone, right? And I was thinking, you know, here we are helping them. You know, we're giving of our time and our resources. We're bringing money and food. And they knew that was one of our hats. And they took it anyway. And there was a certain sense of kind of anger against them a little bit. Because I thought, you know, they would respect the fact that we're trying to help them. And they would have maybe, you know, left the hat where it was or brought it back to us or something like that. So we're going on and we started our work a little bit. And then wouldn't you know... Wouldn't you know, about an hour into our work, suddenly we see one of the villagers coming in. And in their hands, they're holding the hat. Now, the hat was clean, which means that they had actually taken time to go and wash the hat. It was dirty when it was left, of course. Which means they walked about a mile and a half to the river, where there was, wa where there was water. Because, again, they don't have running water in the village uh, where we're trying to move them from. They had gone and cleaned the hat and brought it back to us. And I thought in that moment, you know, how awful that was that I had judged them. Because I had immediately, even in the midst of my care and concern and my love for these people, you know, I had immediately gone back to my, my prejudices. You know, they're poor and they're going to try to steal from us. Now, again, that's not to say that sometimes that doesn't happen. But immediately, that's where I had gone. And I thought that even in my generosity, 
that's still within my heart. And so I really have tried to pray about that, that how quickly sometimes we go into those prejudices for people that look different, speak different, come from different cultures, ethnicities, and countries, how quickly we want to assume they're trying to come against us. And in that moment, I was reminded that God is still desiring to surprise us with so many good things. Because God really does work through, oftentimes, the people we are least likely to expect. And so those have been just kind of some of my experiences down there. And again, I don't, I don't tell this story because for some reason that is unique or different or somehow I'm doing something that's different than anyone else is doing. We have wonderful people that are doing work in very difficult places, both within our community, in our country, in our world, downtown Cleveland, downtown Akron, Youngstown, Canton, and all around us. You know, there are, we are really in need of recognizing how many gifts God has given to our world and helping to draw those gifts forward and responding with that love. So I'd like to give you a little challenge here. We're going to do a little exercise, if you don't mind. Let's go back to some of the steps here, okay? We're going to practice some of the things we've been talking about tonight because I wanted to really to kind of think about and put into application some of these things because solidarity can really only be learned when it's lived. Really until we recognize how God is calling us do we really understand the gift that solidarity is. Solidarity really is the answer to poverty in our world recognizing how we are called to walk in each other's shoes really will end this injustice that's going on and really bring people to a dignity and respect. We have enough food in our world. We have enough clean water. We have enough clothing. It's just about getting it to the people that most need it. So here's our challenge, all right? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Remember the steps of solidarity. Everyone has a gift. There's compassion. We need to pray for people. We need to listen to their needs, and then we need to act on the solution. And so I would like you to really practice these five steps for this scenario, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to get into some groups of about five or eight people, okay? So if you can kind of get into maybe just turn to the people around you, we're going to get into some small groups here, okay? Okay, so here's a scenario, okay? We're working at being called to act in solidarity. All right. And so I invite you, you can work with your group, uh, you know, if you want to write a few things down individually and then kind of share them with your group, however your group works best. If you want to immediately start talking about it, you can do that. Or if you want to think for a little bit, you can do that. All right. Here's the scenario. A terrible storm has hit your state. There wasn't much warning and people didn't have time to properly prepare. Once the storm is over, you see images on TV about people's homes being destroyed and most of their personal belongings are gone. The reports say that there will be no power for the area, to the area for about a month, and supplies are limited. Because of the storm, the roads are covered with trash, and it's making it difficult for people to get around. What can you do? So now again, I really stress that. What can you do? So think about, if this was a real situation, with who's in your group here today? Think about your ages in your backgrounds, some of the resources maybe you have. Maybe some of you have access to a vehicle. Maybe some of you have access to food reserves or things like that. I want you to think about what you could do, not like an imaginary person. Think about yourself. If this was reality, how would you respond? What are four or five things that you as an individual or group could do to help the people in this situation? Pretend like we're a FEMA group, right? The Federal Emergency Management Association. Pretend like we we are really going to help the people that are in this situation here. And I'm going to give you a few minutes. Kind of just think about how would you respond in solidarity? So think about everyone has a gift at your group there. So everyone has an opportunity. How can we be compassionate to the people who are in need? How can we then kind of listen to what's needed here? All right, I'm going to give you a few moments.
Okay, let's uh, let's kind of try to come together here a little bit and uh, see what some of the different groups uh, have come up with. And there might be some repeated ideas, and that's fine. You can share some of those repeated ideas, or if you have a few that uh, are maybe different from things that we've heard, we can uh, we can share those as well. Does one of the groups want to offer a few of their ideas first? In the back there, guys. Nice loud voice for us. Tell us what you're, how you would respond. Remember, this is individual with your gifts and your abilities. So you recognize that you have the gift of leadership in your group there, that there's some people that don't mind stepping forward and taking charge. Good. And then the second part we had was that um, we would responsibly contact and give support to groups that we knew were able to operate within the conditions of whatever the situation was. Sure. Um, we had a Samaritan Purpose Mission, we had a cross. Um, just organizations that we know have a track record of being able to do something that we could support them in whatever way they needed. Good. Very good. Thank you very much. That's great. Okay, group up here. Okay, we're going to volunteer at that shelter you set up. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some volunteer-minded people. Very good. Uh, provide food, water, blankets, cots, pillows, the necessities, the things we need, flashlights, batteries, clothing, shoes, things they need. Okay. So collect those from the community as much as we could. Okay, good. So we're hearing a little bit of the kind of the charity aspect there, gathering some things and making sure that they have the resources they need. Very good. All right. What else? Another group that wants to offer a few things. Yeah, you guys over here. Go ahead. Turn on the radio, listen to see what they want, and pray. <laughs> and pray. Wonderful. Very good. Prayer is always a needed thing. That's great. And that's something that, that you recognize as a gift that you have to be offered. Good. Very good. What else? Another group. Yeah, go ahead. So you're going to organize a softball team. And why, why were you thinking about a softball team? Here's all these people that have been devastated by this uh, disaster, and you're thinking softball. Tell us why. Because you're working together as a group. They're not going to play ball. They're just going to get that group to do it. Yeah, tell them we need to play. Tell them they go to the playground for these kids up there in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, and that's and that's you're you're exactly right. And, you know, sometimes we think about that in the midst of this disaster. You know, we think, well, why would these people want a softball? Well, remember, we got to put ourselves in that place as well. That's why we built a playground down there, is because in the midst of their poverty and their hunger, children still want to play. There's still joy in their hearts, and so while their houses are being built or the power is being restored, the kids need somewhere to go. They need something to do, and so organized sports would be a wonderful gift to be able to bring to them. And that's that's solidarity. That's saying, you know, we're going to do this together. I'm going to be here, you know, once a week, and we're going to organize a softball game. Excellent. Very good. Very good. See, that's that's thinking with a mind of solidarity. How about back over here? That's excellent. That's right. Sure. Okay. 
Good. So if you're in a position to be able to take time off from work, to be able to go and actually just to spend some time and listen and say, what are some things that you need? That's, yeah, that's very, very good. Yeah, very good. I really like your idea about the animals because, again, there is, we take great, especially in our country, we take great respect for our pets. We treat them like our family members sometimes. And so to have a dignified way of being able to help people with their animals while they're getting their lives back together, that would be a wonderful gift. I know for some people that would be afraid what's going to happen to their dog or cat. You're coming in and saying, you know what, we're going to help you with that. Imagine how that would feel. That's great. I'm thinking about, you know, sometimes in the midst of disasters, we forget sometimes, you know, the, the importance of reaching out to people that don't have family and friends. And so, you know, there's, you know, nursing homes and things like that where maybe family member are no longer able to come to that nursing home. And so that family member that's in the nursing home is abandoned, uh, you know, to be able to go and spend time with people like that. Uh, in the midst of that disaster would be you may not feel like well I'm not giving them anything I'm not feeding them I'm not sheltering them but just spending time with someone you know can be a wonderful way yeah, that's very very good good what about what about some of our other groups here what about in the back there um, I wrote down to uh, start off by sending cash <laughs> all right so kind of the uh, the, the Red Cross or the uh, something else sure um, I look at more personal level like if I knew somebody that was there okay Very, very good. That's great. What about our, our group in the, uh, the center um, over here? Do you guys have a few thoughts? Oh, nice. Very good. Do you like dancing? You like music. Well, see, there you go. That's good. So you like music, and so bringing in some, uh, some music, like a generator or something that could then run music for them and having like a dance, that's great. I like that. Very, very good. Again, focusing on people. When we think about solidarity, we think about what would I want in this situation? How can I kind of realize what they need, too? If my mother, say my mother was still alive, and she'd everybody be praying for a place of safety. Sure. Yeah. Good, and that's wonderful, and that's yeah. the gift that some of us are, we, we can't do anything more than, than pray, and that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to do, because and at the end, that's what our God tells us is most important. If we're not doing it in prayer, then we're not doing it for the right reason. So, yeah. sure, exactly right. Good, what else? How about over, uh, did you guys get a chance? Oh, very good, wow, so some blood drives. That's excellent, I didn't even think about that one, very good. Yeah, making sure that that's available for people. That's a wonderful gift. Yeah, very, very good. Is that everyone? Did everyone get a chance to offer kind of a few ideas? Good. You know, I even think about the, uh, the um, 
influence of like social media. I know for some of you that are on like uh, you know Facebook and things like that, or you know are able to communicate uh, with each other. You know, spreading the word about the need and communicating to you know with people about that, so that you can focus people's prayers and focus people's energies. We know that social media has been the cause of great changes in our world. You know, some of the situations in Egypt and other places where because people were able to communicate over the internet or through cell phones and things like that, they've been able to bring great change and great justice in our world. And so for some of you that are good at that, uh, that might be another gift. I was looking at our young people, but at any age where, you know, that have the ability to be able to communicate information to others, you know, that's a wonderful need uh, to be able to do that, to share what's going on in our world today, you know. To start those collections, to pray, and things like that. Very, very good. This was a, a simple exercise, and really, to be honest with you, not that far away. Remember that right now in our world today, even in our own country, there's great floods that are spreading across some of the plains of the Mississippi area there. I mean, this is not far away. We just had some of the disasters that killed uh, multiple people down in, uh, in Alabama and South Carolina and some of those areas, Tennessee. That's right. So some of these disasters, we're talking about you know, natural disasters, are occurring as we speak. But I know that there's some situations, even within our own community and our own families and our own parish, you know, and that's really where we have to take this now to the personal level. You know, that's really our, our, our next and kind of our final question is really kind of down to the idea of how can we actually reach out to the people that we sit next to, that we live next to each and every single day? And that's not a question that we have to answer right here tonight, but that's really the question I would like to send home with you is really to think about who are the people that I live next to? Who are the people I sit next to in church? Am I really in solidarity with them? Because if we can't be in solidarity with each other, how can we possibly reach out to complete strangers that are many, many miles away, if not thousands of miles away, in another culture, in another language? You know, think about the people we see every Sunday at church. Do we know what's going on in their lives? Again, not in a in an eavesdropping kind of way, but what I mean in the sense of knowing who's struggling, that's desiring to be helped. Are there people in our community, in our parish, that are asking for, for us, to, you know, or that are asking it to be reached out to, and that we just are so focused and kind of on ourselves that we're not able to reach out to them? Solidarity begins right here in this room with each other. That's where solidarity begins. Real close. You know, one of the things I think about our young people, and again, I'm not picking on you guys, but did you know that, that a lot of the char- charities that are around today were started by people sometimes your age? You know? Think about some of the great saints. You know, look at uh, like St. Teresa, Little Flower, who was, you know, 14, 15 years old. How old are you? 16. Well, see, there you go, right there. I mean, there were right around your guys' age that started great groups of charity and love that started groups of people that came together to help others. St. Francis of Assisi was in his 20s when he began caring for, for the poor and those who are in need. So it's not just about, you know, we have to give this to the people that are adults, right? And now, for those of us that are a little bit older, you know, remember that, so look at someone like um, Mother Teresa, you know, who up into her, her 80s was... Was still, was still feeding and caring for the poor of Calcutta. Maybe she couldn't do as much as some of the younger sisters that were part of her order there. But even to, that, to the last moments of her day, she was still bringing water to those that were thirsty. So age has nothing to do with it. You know? We know that. To be in solidarity with others is just about recognizing the gifts that we have and using the gifts that we have in that moment. 
It's not about saying, well, God, if you gave me more money, I'd be happy to help. So help me win the lottery, right? That's um, Father Michael B. uh, right there, right? (laughs) Got the winning lottery ticket, right? He says that joking, right? But but it's true. Sometimes we keep that from helping others. Well, once I have a steady job, once I win the lottery, once everything in my house is taken care of, then I'm going to think about others. And you know what? We're going to go through our whole lives, and it's never going to happen. We're never going to have enough time because the people that are coming into our lives, the people that are sitting across from us today are in need now. You know? And it's never going to be the right time in our lives to be able to help that. I mean, we're all in need, right? Isn't that true? Yes. We're all in need somehow. And that's kind of, again, that's the, the wounded healer in all of us that recognize that we all have needs, but in our woundedness, we can help others. You know, in our difficulty, we can reach out to others. That's solidarity. And so tonight can be just, you know, a little talk. I mean, it can be Father Andy came back and told us about the Dominican Republic. It can be we learned some new definitions and we learned some big words, solidarity, you know, things like that. You know, or tonight can really be a difference for you. You can go home tonight praying something different, really praying that God strengthen you to see the needs of the people around you in your own community. We lead each other to heaven one person at a time. Maybe you're not going to save an entire community or country or an entire village, but maybe just reaching out to that one person who you've kind of walked past quickly in the grocery store because you just don't want to get into it. You know? maybe, that's, maybe that's the one person that God is asking you to reach out to and to walk a little bit in their shoes. We're going to take a moment now and just kind of to, to close in prayer. And I want you to really think about it. I want you just to kind of hold in mind maybe one or two people just one or two people that you can really reach out to, that you really want to, you know, maybe before tonight you've been saying, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for this person? You know, they've caused their own situation. They're getting what they deserve. You know, and we really need to watch in that kind of tone of voice because that's judgment. And we know in the, in the prayer of the Our Father that we are judged as we judge others. And there's a lot of reasons that people are in different situations. That's the charity and justice. Really coming to understand why people are where they are, and reaching out in that love and that care. So let's just take a quiet moment and close our eyes and just kind of fold our hands for a moment or just get into a a prayerful posture, whatever is comfortable for us. And I want you really to think about those one or two or three people that we just most want to reach out to in solidarity. Maybe it's someone at work or in our community or in our high school or junior high. Let me just offer that prayer for them in just this moment of quiet. Loving God, we just thank you for this time together tonight. We thank you for filling our hearts with love for all of your creation, the people and the earth that you have given us. We thank you for friends and family, for parishioners. We thank you for the people gathered together here today who maybe we're meeting for just the first time in a new way tonight. Help us to really be aware of how you are calling us to use our gifts and our talents and our abilities to reach out, to walk in someone else's shoes, to truly be our brother and sister's keeper. Help us to put aside prejudices and judgments and just to love as your son Jesus Christ loves us and taught us how to love. We pray now in that one prayer that our Savior gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Some good reflection and some good thoughts tonight. Uh, I just want to kind of open it up if there's any other questions about just anything, about what we were talking about tonight, about my missionary work, about life, about religion, I mean anything. Just any other questions that you have tonight? Yeah. Yeah. I hear this, not too frequently, but I hear it. So, well, I don't see why we have to help this country or that. There's enough people in need in Sure. The, the question was, you know, why do we need to help people in other countries? Because there's so much need in our in our hometown, in our nation itself. You know, why are we why are we reaching out to others? You know, one of the reasons why a lot of countries hate us is because we forget how tremendously blessed our country is. When you really look at the poverty level in our country, even the most poor of people really has the opportunity for basic health care you know, housing and food. Our government, as flawed as times it is, and we know that there's always struggles and there's bureaucracies and things like that, that if a person really needs it, ultimately we have a safety net that typically can, take, can care for most people. When you really recognize a lot of developing world countries, third world countries, especially in like Caribbean, Latin America, in parts of Asia and Africa, there's no safety net. There's no social services. If you have no money, you are, there's nothing for you. And if your family is unable to take care of you, you, you're going to die. And when you really think about how that is, one of the statistics that came up in that video, when you look at like infant mortality here, I was going to just throw this back up again here at the beginning of this. Uh, yeah. It's right at this beginning part here. It, it talks about, I uh, just wanted to kind of show that real quick again. Um, yeah, there are 6.55 billion people on Earth, and one billion of them live on uh, on less than a dollar a day. You know, 854 million people are hungry, and 300 million are children. You know, and it, now it's specifically in the Dominican Republic, it's one in five are in poverty. But when you really think about that, that's true in not just in the Dominican Republic, but other places. That statistic is so different in our country. Now, now, again, we do need to reach out to people in our country. That is very, very important. And we need to be able to support the social the structures and the systems. We need to vote for people that are able to provide good health care and good care for the people in our country. That's part of our civic duty. But to end it right in our country here, because we think somehow we have it worse than others, is, is misguided. There, are too, there is too much poverty in our world today for us to only focus on our own country. We walk into a grocery store, even just down the street, and you will see such a tremendous amount of food that's going to go wasted. I mean, the amount of fruit that just sits there in front of you when you walk into a grocery even in the smallest of grocery stores. Walk into a, you know, if you have ever have an opportunity to go to a store in Africa or somewhere in Latin America and the Caribbean and ask for options. Say, I don't like this brand, I want another brand. They're going to look, like you, look at you like you have four heads because they don't have options. Options really is a sign of richness. We, people in this room, and this is, you, you may question me on this, but this is actually statistically true. Everyone in this room here that has a house, drove here with some type of car, has more than one set of clothing, all right, and actually has some money in your wallet right now. 
If you have those four things, you are richer than 90% of the world. That is an honest to God fact. That if you have a car, a house, multiple sets of clothing, and money in your wallet, you are amongst the top 10% of the richest people in the world. You guys hear that, teens, that you know you complain you don't have uh, everything that you want, you don't have the newest this or anything like that. You guys are in the top 10% of the richest people in the world. Think about it. Now, you think about people we always compare. See, the trouble is in our country, we compare ourselves to people like the Bill Gates and, you know, the Warren Buffetts and, you know, all the other there. They are amongst the top, like, you know, 0.01% of the rich. I mean, they are so obscenely rich that they have nothing to compare themselves to. You look at some of the sports athletes and things like that. That's who we compare ourselves to. So we say, oh, I'm very poor because we compare ourselves to people that are so outrageously rich. It's uncomparable. But really compare yourself to someone in, in parts of, of Africa. You, know, you have, they have no, no house, no car, no clothing, and no money. I mean, that's just, that is a fact. So when we start to think about some of those things, you really have to put those statistics together. Yeah, no, that's, thank you, that's a wonderful question. Does anyone doubt that statistic? No. <laughs> okay, it's true. I mean, you, have you heard it? Yeah. So it's yeah. It's yeah. It's true. You are amongst the. We are all. Even in we may not have the biggest house or the nicest car, but we have one. It's exactly right. We have one. And even in our own country, that's not always true as well. Good. Other. Yeah. How do you communicate with those people in the Dominican Republic? Se habla So I speak Spanish. Yeah. Which is importante. Uh, pero, um, but I don't, I don't speak, uh, I'm not a fluent speaker, I'm a conversational speaker, so I can communicate pretty well with them. Uh, we do have missionaries that go down there, though, that don't speak Spanish. You know, love is the greatest language that we speak. When we are willing to sit hand in hand with a woman and help her to, to clean her, her, her house or to, to wash the little clothing that they have because they have to wash clothes every day because most of them only have set, two sets of clothing, clothing that they wear to the market and clothing that they wear around their house you know, or to church. You know, so we, we, we work hand in hand with them. And so, but yeah, language can be a little bit of a challenge, but it's amazing how quickly you, you learn when you're in that situation. Do you send things down or do you uh, take things down when you go? We do, yeah. We have a shipping container, one of those big metal containers that we fill up with supplies and things like that. And we bring that down there. Um, like many developing countries, it costs a lot of money to do that because everyone wants to get paid. And so we have to, in lack of a better term, we have to bribe a lot of people. It's hard to get supplies in there. Customs agents want their cut, and everyone else, the trucker wants his cut, and everyone like that. You know, again, we sit here and we say, oh, you know, what an awful thing. We're trying to help. But that's also part of their, they need to live, and that's part of the culture of that society. It's not right, but it is. It's the culture of that society. And so we try to work within that to try to help them. I was interviewed on our work down there. I was just going to show you briefly uh, the interview that uh, it's just a, a couple minutes long so you can get a little background on, on some of the mission work down there. That was the last thing I was going to show you here. So this is just a, a little interview about our, our mission work down there. The people down there are in just grave poverty. This is my voice here speaking. There's no homeless shelters. Uh, there's no government aid or government support. Just dirt roads, there's no buildings whatsoever. The locals just sit on the side of the street, there's garbage everywhere. It's hard to even really imagine how poor people can be. I tell you what you need now, tell you who you need. 
shock that you see in the conditions that the people are living in uh, really moves your heart. It all started uh, when Father Bob Steck had contact with Archbishop Timothy Brolio, who at that time was the Archbishop for the Dominican Republic. as well as provide education for them in the village they lived in. And so that's what we set apart to do, was to build a large uh, five-classroom school building. These children, they were bright, we work along they were with aware, the people, so we're, and they we're, were capable of learning just like our children are. And so providing that education for them was so important to change that cycle no of trees poverty. there, it's all pretty open. If we could help them, they'll be able to help themselves more. Teaching them how to hammer and just do different things. And lady there working alongside with them building the brick houses. Everything's brick down there because of the, the hurricanes. It was an amazing experience, just how little they have, but how happy they are. That's what got me the most. Hard work. It's uncomfortable at times. It's, uh, Eva the Dolan, the owner very of the Indians, Mary and Eva Dolan. But the, the reward when you come home is We're partnering great. with uh, Major League Baseball uh, because, as you know, we get a lot of uh, players from the Dominican Republic uh, that come up. So we're building uh, some baseball fields down there for the kids in hopes of maybe even surfacing some talent and uh, bringing that to, to uh, the United States. So, uh, so one of the Major League Baseball is a real big supporter of our, our group there as well. So... That was just kind of just a, a few images there more to, to kind of give you that idea. What's the name of the group that you're intentionally serving? Yeah, we, are, we have a, a five, we're a separate 5013C, a nonprofit organization called Mission Possible. Mission Possible US is what we are. So that's, yeah, anything, it all goes through that the nonprofit. Uh, we partner with uh, the sisters, uh, religious sisters down there with Major League Baseball. We partner with USAID. Uh, that's down there, and Save the Children is the other group that's, that's down there that we work with as well. Those are all uh, United States uh, charity organizations that work in that area. But yeah, our group is uh, a, a group called Mission Possible, and we lead mission trips. That's what we do. Just one second. Over here. Yeah. They had the hurricane down there. Yeah. And everything else, and everything was destroyed. Then the monsoons came in. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we started shipping tents down there for these people to get housed. We had to get these up before they came in. Yeah. Then came, hey, you people are coming on my land, right. building this stuff. What's the situation down here? I see all these brick buildings going on. 
Who owns that land? Right. No, that's an excellent question. And one of the reasons why we're not particularly working in Haiti, the country of Haiti itself, is because of how much difficult you may have, for those of you that keep up on world news a little bit, there has been just some wonderful turmoil in, in, in how there was a lot of wonderful help, but now there's turmoil because of exactly what you're saying. Who's in charge? You know, the United States was down there helping. Now we wanted to back out, all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're in the Dominican Republic because we can purchase land from the, the country. We can purchase private property and set up homes there. So as the Haitians are coming in, you know, illegally, we're setting up housing for them, and then we're hoping to try to get them um, uh, registered into the country so that they can have stable places to live. So we're trying to, Haiti is, is such a mess, we're just hoping to be able to try to provide these immigrants with, uh, with better living in the Dominican Republic. That's really our effort there. So that's why we're focused on that area. Because to be able to comment on what's going on in Haiti right now, it's a mess. It really is a mess. It seems like the richer get richer. Yeah. I got the land. Yeah, it's a mess. It really is. It's unfortunate. And honestly, we're, we're responsible as a country. We caused some of that. You know, we really, uh, we in almost, I, I hate to say, but we kind of enslaved people in Haiti into making very inexpensive clothing and things like that. We didn't pay them working wages. And that all happened throughout the 80s, 70s and 80s. Remember, like, if you bought anything, uh, like a lot of the clothing that came from, you know, that we bought in the 80s or so was being made in, in, in Haiti. And we really impoverished the people. And then when these storms came through, you know, we didn't help them the, we, probably the way that we could have. It, it really is a, it's a mess. It really is. So I'm hoping that we can, that our countries can really start talking to each other and providing for what they need. You're exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. We need to do that.